Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. My name is Marshall Hill. I'm your guide as we journey through the car care industry. You can find me and Nick on most platforms at HyperClean Store. Best way to get in touch though, go to HyperClean Specialist Group on Facebook or shoot us a text direct 918-800-1188. And I'm going to dive into a beer, Nick. It's been a, it's been a long day of cleaning cars. You know, I, I don't have uh, anything other than just long agonizing days of washing cars. You know, I think you got the easy day today, didn't you? Yeah, I, I I actually take care of cars every day. What you guys are hearing is Marty doesn't actually detail cars very often anymore, and uh, one car sends him over the edge. <laughs> two, I two today. <laughs> two. I got one tomorrow. Uh, I look at him. Hey, he's a true detailer. He's getting back to his roots. Yeah, listen. It, after the snow and after everything has passed through, listen. I <laughs> I'm tell I'm I'm having to send people away. <laughs> <laughs> everybody just had like everybody has to have their car done right now this moment it's like hey easy easy there yeah, I, is this is supposed to be one of those numbers you didn't have like how'd you get it <laughs> <laughs> they're calling me from all over oh, all right awesome. let's dive into buying and sell nick what are you buying and selling this week i gotta tell you i'm selling coronavirus i'm i'm over this this is uh for those that can hear it in my voice it's just been a tough tough week went through my whole house you know from baby to loved ones to just snagged everybody and uh you know coming out the other end now you know but family's still a little banged up and uh i'm selling it man it's it's one of those things you knew it would hit you you know i wasn't one of those delusional guys like i'm gonna get out of this i think everybody's gonna get it at some point and you know, it was our turn and boy, oh boy, it was, it was a tough week. I was talking to a, a customer today who's, who manages a car wash and he, uh, everybody in their house took the, took the shot, right? Kid goes to school two days later, he gets it. Uh, his, his wife's dad catches it twice on the second time, goes to sleep and never wakes up. And crazy, man. Yeah, this guy, you know, here's the here's the crazy thing for our story. So we have different levels of people that have been vaccinated in my house. You know, we got people all the way through boosted, no vaccination, whatever. And I'll leave all that opinion out. But nobody escaped it. Nobody was better off than the other. Everybody seemed to just kind of get the exact same symptoms, the exact same you know, length of time that they were feeling their worst. And and the weirdest part is, is, you know, we had sort of the Petri dish of where everybody was at with their vaccination and, uh, you know, it didn't seem to help anybody. They think the interesting part for me is more and more people are talking about them getting it or it's how many people are dying. And then yeah, man. how many people, it, this is not the, right. I mean, that's not the crazy part. We, I think 2020, everybody was dying. Right. But, yeah. you know, but now it's people are dying. And then when they tell you, they go, yeah. And then he passed. I know it is kind of just like thrown in there, isn't it? Yeah. It's, you know, I had, I had one of my buddies down in Florida. I told you about, you know, suffered for 
I don't know, four or five months, you know, 39 years old, perfect health, you know, had always worked out, never missed a workout. And, you know, it got him. And, and, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, when it hits you and your family, which you've had it, you know, people, everybody that's had an experience with it. I never got to the point where I thought like something bad was happening, but I got to a point where I was like, I wish this shit would end. And that's about where I'm at today. As we're recording this, it's just like, I just kind of want this to be over. And, uh, but it really treated me like a flu, a bad flu. And, and, you know, I guess that's a good thing you know, for me is that it treated my family, it seems to have treated everyone around us as a flu. And, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, that's, that's what I'm selling. I'm a little bit over this at this point. And it's, uh, it's been a wild uh, week for us, for sure. Yeah. All right. For me, uh, well, listen, I'm buying, I'm buying the basics. I'm buying the basics because I sat in a soccer game the other day, and literally, I'm pretty sure the very first play, the other team goes down and scores. Within the first minute, maybe the first two minutes, if we're lucky, it was three to nothing. I looked over at my girlfriend because I missed the first game. And uh, I'm like, what's going on here? It's like, yeah, this is kind of, you know, this is, this is the team, right? We, if you've had kids, you had kids in sports, Nick, you'll get there eventually, right? Like, you're going to get there to some of those teams that you just go, Ooh, we're on that team. Okay. And so I start watching, right? Like start watching the players a little bit, but then I really look over at the coaches and I go, boom, there's the difference. You got one coach that's into it. His hat's turned around. He's up on the, the edge, you know, he's talking to the guys and you got another guy that's over there like, halfway looking around, doesn't really know what's going on. One time a kid starts trying to run out of the game while another kid's trying to pass from the ball. Like <laughs> it was one of those. Right. And I just go, right. The bad part for me is I just go, I start going, okay, well, if I was there, this is how I would do it. And I start going through all the things like, wait, yeah. When I coached, we did the basics nonstop for like the first 30 minutes of every practice it was toe touches it was how to pass the ball i mean it was every little thing that if you do right in competitive sports or non-competitive sports recreational you do the basics right you go have a lot greater chance of winning so i am buying the basics here's to doing the basics yeah, I mean, it, it is true, right? And it, it's it's something that you definitely see in youth sports where if there's a demanding coach, that team just looks different. And it doesn't have to be demanding in a crazy way, right? Like, they don't have to yell and scream. But like you said, we're going to go to practice. And, and one of the things, a guy that works for me, you know, he's a great youth coach. He's just that kind of guy. He's great with kids. He, he, he does all of those things really, really well. And I think one of the things that, that I learned from him is kind of what you said is his, or, his practices are organized. Like they go there with a the purpose. They don't, he doesn't let kids just stand there and look around. Right. And all of a sudden his teams rack up a lot of little rec league or travel league or whatever league championships. And it's not because, and he's pretty adamant about it. He's like, yeah, I just care. If I signed up to coach, I'm just going to coach the right way and we're going to play the right way and we'll let the chips fall where they fall. But, you know, the dad that that actually coaches a team but doesn't 
do all those things. I wonder why they even volunteered to begin with. It's like, isn't that just misery? <laughs> and you're almost hurting the kids, right? I, this, I think the reason why I think I've always been this way in coaching, this is something I asked you earlier because I, I couldn't remember the guy's name. I just remember in college uh, when I was learning about coaching because, you know, I, I was a physical education minor. Right. So I got to take classes. That is. I know. Right. <laughs> I, I really, I really went for the record books on that one. Uh, <laughs> so I remember these classes where they would teach us how to coach. And it was all about, you know, doing the little things. And, and there was a coach that was known for at the first of every year, he always taught his kids how to tie their shoes just so happens this guy happened to be one of the greatest basketball coaches of all times and the very first practice of every season he taught them how to tie their shoes yep and he also choked his players on the bench so i mean at the end of the day it's you know the carrot the stick whatever he just used it all <laughs> hey i'm going to teach you guys how to tie your shoes but you know if you don't do what i say i'm going to choke you on the on the bench you know was that in vegas at unit was he at unlv when i have him no no that's uh, Bob Knight was at uh, Indiana. Indiana. Yeah, Indiana. He was the guy that you know threw the chair across. He's the guy that uh, choked uh, Neil something uh, back in the day. Yeah, he he had some incidents. He ended up at like Texas Tech. That's where he ended his career. That's what it was. Okay, and I think there what it, he had some issues there too, right? Yeah, there he was, pretty much just had issues. Like yeah. he, he had you know he was a great coach. He won a lot of games, but boy oh boy did he fly off the handle. Who was the guy? Wasn't there a coach around the time called the Shark or something? That ball head yeah, guy? Uh, Tark. Yeah, he was at UNLV. There you in go. In the 90s. Yeah. yeah. Larry Johnson and Stacey Augman and all those teams. Yeah. No, he was, yeah, he was, uh, you know, Jerry Tarkanian way is not that far from my office where we're sitting here now. Uh, you have any uh, special ties to uh, the back home boys? Of hey, uh, you know, you're looking at the two on two. Uh, summer basketball Bob Knight champ uh, I actually went to the Indiana basketball camp when I was like 12 or 13 and you know What's look three other teams playing we got to play at assembly hall Marty we weren't at a soccer game getting you know bent over nine nothing I can tell you that <laughs> uh no it was fun but yeah no I, I I went to the basketball camp there it was that was a cool experience and you know that's a different time. I'm not exactly uh, peak physical condition at the moment, as as everybody can hear in my voice. Uh, two different worlds, man. Mine was Oral Roberts University. I was in oh, the there Golden you go. Eagles. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah, they you... made some noise in the NCAA tournament before. Uh huh. Yeah. Here and there. You're right. But you yeah. know, Indiana versus ORU. You know, I get it. <laughs> yeah. No. I'd... Hey, look, it's a different time, and boy, oh boy, it's a long way, long time ago. All right, so let's think about basics, though, because it's interesting theory to think through, right? Like, who the fuck would want to learn how to tie their shoe at the very beginning, right? You you go to Indiana University, you want to be with this coach, number one coach of all time, maybe that's why you're going there, and you got to learn how to tie your shoes. Like, it just seems a bit ridiculous. But yeah. if you can't do the basics all the way right could you ever really excel into the finer things of knowing all the stuff that goes into basketball so let's think of it in car care right like if we don't know the basics how do we ever get into full corrections right like yeah how do we and get we, into we, 
and by the way, we've stated that before, you know, how we've, we've said this in past episodes, like there's a lot of guys that want to skip and, and fall in love with paint correction. And then you watch them, you know, <laughs> I, I won't out it here, but somebody that works for a massive tool company is on record as saying, why do I need to care about washing a car? I'm just going to correct the scratches out. So if I do it right or wrong, what's it matter? I mean, I think that's a bad message and, and have no problem saying that that's a bad message. And we've talked about it on this podcast. So yeah, you know, for those people getting into it, for those guys that are seasoned, if, if your process of washing a car is not buttoned up, you getting to a great final presentation of a car is much less of a chance in my book. Okay, so let's go over some of those basics because it's interesting. As I said, I'm getting phone calls out of the woodworks right now. I've got a guy that he's in town. He's a contractor from Denver, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm calling around. I'm looking at people, but half these guys, I talk to them. I'm pretty sure if they drop their wash mitt on the ground, they're going to pick it up and use it again. I go, yeah, that's an interesting thing to think of. All right. So let's go over some of those basics, right? Like what do we need to know on the basics of washing a car, right? So first off, are we using power washer or are we using garden hose? Are you using a garden hose? I think at this point in time here, a lot of people will give leeway on this, but at this point in time with the affordability of pressure washers at a Home Depot, there's zero reason for you to tell me you're washing your car with a garden hose. So we just got to start there and say, let's, let's arrive at a, a pressure washer is the best way to wash your car. You can go overboard. <laughs> you don't need the strongest pressure in the, in the, in the land. But, you know, if you look at my detailing business, we use gas power because of the amount of cars that we're detailing a week. Now, here at the shop, we have an electric one that we've been testing. We haven't got our full setup here, but pressure washer at the bare minimum. But, you know, a basic that a lot of people don't take seriously enough is that initial rinse. When I really look at how much time guys spend rinsing the car, I would say, I always have to tell guys or look at guys and go, what are you doing? Why didn't you take the pressure washer and get into the wheel wells? Why didn't you take the pressure washer and run the cracks of the door uh, just on the outside, you know, and kind of go panel by panel in a very detailed manner? Because to me, there still is nothing better than that initial rinse. That is your best friend in, in washing a car is that initial pressurized rinse of the car all right so then are you a a foam cannon or are you uh you know put my hand down into a bucket i'm both okay so what i what i don't believe in and i think it actually is shown i I was actually just had somebody send me a post of of a gentleman saying that, that that foam breaks down all of this sentiment, uh, uh, you know, all, all of this dirt on the surface and it allows you to rinse it away easier. And I, I've tested it myself. It doesn't a really thorough rinse. And then I use a foam cannon, but I use a foam cannon for a reason of getting ample amounts of soap onto the surface. And I think that's the greatest use of that tool, but I also have a bucket full of soap with, I don't actually use wash mitts. I use microfiber towels, our cookie monster towel. And the reason is, is because 
I don't actually, after going through and using the two bucket method for a lot of years, I don't think it's the safest way to clean a car. I think the actual safest way is never to reintroduce a dirty wash media ever again, because once I dunk that dirty wash mitt into a clean rinse bucket, isn't the dirty, isn't the rinse bucket now dirty? It's never clean again. So after the first dunk, aren't I dealing with a dirty wash mitt? In theory, a dirty... you're, right. Are you putting it back into the clean one or are you putting it over into the soap? Which one? You, you okay, go so, okay. So let's say you wash a panel, you take your wash mitt and you put it in the rinse bucket to rinse all that dirt off. Mm -hmm. And then you go into your soap bucket to pick up clean soap and go back to the surface. Okay. Yeah. But after the first panel in that rinse bucket, the rinse bucket's dirty. So and, how safe is the whole program here? All right. So do you need a grid guard or not? Because this is the interesting, uh, you know, when grid guards came out, right? Like you had to, right? You have to have a grid guard every time, right? That's what everybody teaches. And I get it, you know, for that thick sediment, for some reason you've got big chunks of something that's going to go through. I don't, I, 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 it's another one. It's almost similar to clay bar. Like I, I understand that I need, you know, in theory, a grid guard does help. But to your point, if I'm going to take, you know, for instance, right now, we got some really dirty cars here. Um, when I took my wash mitt and went and ran it into my rinse, my bucket, and then put it over into the soap and washed again. Yeah, you come back to your rinse bucket. It's not clean. No, I mean, you, there's no you see stuff in the water. Yeah. And, and so here's the wildest thing is that when I say this, people get all bent out of shape. And by the way, you're allowed to wash your cars however you want. I'm just giving you 24 years of experience and having done, because at this point in time, wouldn't you need a fresh rinse bucket for every time you dunk yeah. a, a mitt? So you either need to have a system where you have basically a mitt per panel, or you can use technology to your benefit and say, Hey, something like the cookie monster towel is very, very thick. It has really, really high pile. So it captures in the dirt, like a wash mitt would do. And guess what? When I'm done with that mitt or with that towel, it doesn't go into any bucket other than a dirty one that has no water in it. And you just say, this is for my dirty towels. It's not doing anything else. It's not going into a bucket to be reused again. It's this has served its purpose. And if you fold it into fours, you have eight different sides. So you can wash essentially close to eight panels with a fresh side of a towel. So after a couple, two towels, you never touched any part of the car with the same side of a towel or the same, same side of a wash mitt. There is no safer way than the way I'm explaining. Doesn't mean it's the right way, but as minute, the minute you tell me the two bucket method is safe and you're not talking about the rinse bucket getting dirty, I got to bow out of the conversation because well, grit guards, not grit guards, some special deionized water somebody wants to tell me about. I'll get a million people telling me a million things. The minute a dirty mitt 
goes into clean water. It's no longer clean anymore. There is no debate about that. And there's no way for you to tell me all the dirt magically went all the way to the bottom. Come on, man. I mean, do you believe in the, in the tooth fairy? I mean, this is crazy. What about the three bucket? And then I think there's even some people that's tried to go with the four bucket. Well, how about just go to a hundred buckets, go to 15 different wash mitts. I mean, that's my point. It's like, I'm going to use, I have a bucket that, so I have three buckets. One is for soap, for the paint, and for my towels that are going to help me wash the paint. Then I have some stuff with my tools to clean wheels in a bucket, but it's just to hold the tools and kind of put some soap in there. I mean, it's nothing big. And then I have another bucket that just, I throw my dirty towels in when I'm done with them. And then they go to the, you know, they're, they're done. I've used them. It's good to go. All right. So we've washed the car. We've got to rinse the car, right? Basics on rinsing. Do you need an RO? Do you need some type of filter? If I'm a, if I'm washing out of my driveway or I'm a mobile detailer and I just pulled over and bought water off the side of the street, uh, you know, do you need it if, uh, you know, you're in the shop and you just run it off of, uh, off of a regular water coming out of the city? Or do I have to have DI? I mean, what's the basics here? The basic to me is deionized water. I mean, it just is. Uh, you know, we have it here. It wasn't easy to get installed here. I went through the headache of getting installed at the shop. We buy deionized water here locally for every one of my trucks. I, I do think it's the bare minimum because a lot of bad stuff can happen with, uh, you know, water minerals, period, in the story. I mean, Marty, you've dealt with water spots. That can happen at your shop. That can happen on your in your driveway. That can happen, you know, in your mobile unit if you buy, you know, crappy water. Uh, it is what it is. Um, so, yeah, I think deionized water is kind of something that I, I don't really think is debatable at this point. I don't want to deal with water spots because I know the headache that can come from a water spot. So, to me, I'm not going to mess around with that, and I'm going to go through any length to get deionized water in my house, in my business. Uh, it doesn't matter. I, there's too many solutions now for me to to not have deionized water. All right. So then if I'm going to dry it, the all-time favorite to dry a car, my all-time favorite go-to is not the ShamWow. It's not the ShamWow, but it's that blade, right? That big that big blade that you go and rub across the paint. Man, that's that's incredible. It, does, it's, it dries the car. Scratch-o-matic. Listen, it drives the car the best, fastest, right? You run that blade over the paint, the car's dry. Yeah, and the car is scratched. So um, here at HyperClean, we do not tell you to use the blade. <laughs> we tell you to use slick with a twist-dry uh, HyperClean towel to do it in the most professional manner, manner possible. Look, All right, so I did, I did some stories. I did some stories, did some funny videos today where I was live in the HyperClean Specialist Group for one and then did a story on another. Different ways that you can dry the car. I think you're a big proponent of using a, 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 some type of air dryer or leaf blower. Yeah, yep. Yeah, to me, what I like and what we do in my business on, on any type of maintenance is we go around the car and we dry it with a leaf blower 
you know, you can use a Metro back, anything, you know, a bunch of different types of those things. One of the reasons I like it is it kind of gets some of that water off the surface, but we don't completely dry it unless it's a perfectly coated vehicle where it just dries itself. We're good to go. I think one of the, the, the most important things for me though, is, is I like my last step product like slick to have the most amount of paint to bond to. And if I just go directly into drying and I don't get any of that excess water off, what actually happens is slick kind of gets diluted or your drying aid gets diluted. And I would rather, you know, have that last step product, you know, act as a little bit more of a protectant, you know, while it's on the car than just be diluted by the water, all kinds of water on the car. So that that's kind of the way I look at it. All right. So did you ever though, back in the day, were you ever into chamois? Like, did well, you, chamois, I, dude, chamois was the first thing that I ever learned with. Yeah, I mean, me that too. was, yeah. you know, chamois were all that existed. You know, everybody yeah, likes to talk about now about, oh, well, you know, if you do this, if you do that, look, we didn't have anything else. I mean, we, you know, chamois was, was the way that you learned. And, and of course, I mean, I use chamois. And the real one, right? The, the weird yeah, one yeah. that would get really hard or, you know, you have to, to <laughs> have yeah, to always get yeah. a really long time to get it to work itself <laughs> back out. You know, when yeah. those fake ones started coming around and people went with some synthetic ones, there was a big movement towards the synthetics. But I, I never really knew of a, besides now, once, once we started putting out the HyperClean twist dry towel, up until the HyperClean twist dry towel, I really didn't know of a better way to dry a car than that old school traditional chamois. Yeah, because it picked everything up. You know, now mind you, your car would, you know, basically have burnt paint on it if it was like touched a dry surface, but like it was, it freaking worked. And I think that's the number one thing about that's been disappointing about a lot of microfiber towels is they don't have a long shelf life for what you pay. You know, you and I have discussed this before is, is like, you know, if you got to take care of a lot of cars, you start to realize that microfiber towels, there's a lot left to be desired there. I mean, that's if you do a lot of work. Now, for a guy that's just cleaning in his driveway, you don't really notice it. You know, you kind of go through, a, you know, a fair amount of towels, but nothing crazy. I mean, in my business, you'd be surprised how long. It doesn't take very long for, for, for uh, towels just not to dry that well. Where in it, with a chamois, if that thing re-wetted itself, Hey, it was working and <laughs> it was working forever and you oh, just don't have that anymore. No, not at all. I think I, I'm pretty sure I had one for a couple of years. Like they, they lasted, they lasted. Yeah. I right mean, out. and again, that's, that's kind of, I still think the last frontier for microfiber towels is twist dries are about as close as they've come to a real solid. And that's why it works so well with slick, right? When it's paired with something like slick, those twist dry towels work, but even they can start to wear pretty quick. If, if, you know, your care form isn't there or, I mean, it's microfiber towels still have a lot to be developed in my opinion. All right, cool. So let's say we're a uh, semi pro guy, right? We're, we're, we're a weekend type of detailer that, you know, we're paid, you know, but we got a full-time job or, you know, we're wanting to kind of get started and, play around with it. You know, there's so many of us in the industry that just kind of dabble in professional car care, meaning that you get paid to clean somebody's car. Now there's different levels of being a professional, right? But a semi-pro guy, the guy that, you know, weekend will clean two or three cars, maybe clean a couple of cars during the week at night when he gets off work. 
what's one basic thing that you would tell them that they need to really make sure that they hone in on? That doesn't necessarily need to be about cars and cleaning the car. Maybe it could be about business. Just a, a basic thing for that type of guy of what you think he should do. Is it, hey, maybe, maybe it is go get a logo, right? Like go get a logo and put it on your shirt. And why don't you wear that logo, you know, like instead of yeah. another, you know, maybe yeah, that's simple I, like that. I, I would think one thing, and I'll say this to all of us. I mean, I, I don't think it's just the, the guy who's, who's doing it on the weekends. I think it's everybody. Our industry really doesn't tell you how much you got to manage people's expectations. You know, I get a lot of phone calls and I'm appreciative of them because they're, they're big learning experiences for me. But being upfront and telling customers exactly what's going on with their car and stop sugarcoating and being good at this is what's going on, Mr. Customer. And this is what you can expect and being right on with that delivery, I think is something that look, man, I'm a lot of years into this. And I think it's something I, I screw up and screwed up a lot in my career until I, I got an understanding of, man, you better be real blunt with people or this thing with cars can go real south. You can take a thousand dollar job on a weekend and be like, Hey man, this is a big score for me. And it can just turn into a freaking nightmare because a guy has gotten on Reddit and read some things and, and he's got expectations and you don't manage them. Uh, I think that's the number one thing I would teach guys and, and tell them to understand is be real precise with the expectations you allow to float into your customer's head, because, you know, some of the stuff floating around on the internet, such bad information. This guy may think that he's paying you to do uh, a 10 day detail. And you haven't really told him, Hey man, this is, this is a quick one step and a coding application. And we're going to get this, this, and this out, but not this. And all of a sudden you return the car back and it's just a nightmare. And, and I hear those stories a lot. I mean, people would be shocked at how many times, and it always comes down to, you weren't blunt enough. You kind of let some things seep into their head and you didn't make sure that you were the expert talking to them and they understood exactly what was going on. All right, cool. So for me, I'm going to go with problem solving. I think the number one thing that anybody that wants to progress as a professional is they have to be really great at problem solving. Of course, right? You, you say that and you go, well, yeah, it makes sense. But well, does it? Because there's so many young guys, whether that's young in age, like we said, or just young into detailing that are inside of groups and inside of forums that are asking questions like, hey, this won't come off. What do I do? Hey, I, I, I see this haze on the paint after I compounded it. Why, why is it there? Hey, uh, how do I get this stain out? And I just go, wow, you're, you're there in the middle of it, and you're going to take your time to go see if somebody else can tell you how to do it. You know, you, you, you got questions, not, not to chase a rabbit here, but, you know, back when Corona was coming in 2020, you know, you were the only one that had been into sanitization over the past 10 years of your career. So you started getting people that would call you and just go, Hey man, how do I sanitize a car? Right? Like they literally oh. didn't take the time to, to problem solve themselves. They thought that they could just get an answer from somebody else because, Hey, if, 
if somebody else already has the answer, why do I need to work through it? Well, probably because you need to problem solve. And the way you'll grow as a business is always figuring out how to solve a problem. Speaking of Corona, remember, there was people, and this is the part, this is why I bring it up. People always say, how do I know, right? Remember we talked last time, right? How do I know really if I should follow somebody or how do I, right? How do I know? Well, if you watch what they say and if during Corona they say, shut your doors, hmm, that probably isn't a really good problem solver and I shouldn't really listen to them, right? There should be people that are saying, hey, go to the front lines. Hey, go out there and clean the cars. Hey, go out there and be active. Figure out what your customers need so that you can solve them, so that you can grow your business. You want to yeah. figure out how to grow. You want to figure out how to keep going. You want to figure out who to listen to. Well, it's all about problem solving. Yeah. And I think you, you saw this at MTE. Nobody's really giving a solution or, or, or trying to step on anyone's toes. But, I mean, I got records of supposed you know, really, really high-end detail guys who are giving advice at MTE asking me, hey, can you tell me how to sanitize a vehicle? I want to cash in. Like, they didn't want to do any work. And that's just not the way this thing goes. And matter of fact, if people go back to that time, the funniest part is I was telling people not to do it. I was like, don't, don't do this. Just go clean the vehicle. You know, don't say the word sanitizing, just go there and do your best. And we had guys using steam, which is, you know, a whole different can of worms. And we were, we were just trying to be sensical to say, Hey man, go make your money, but you don't even need to use these words. And the most amazing part of it is the guys that paid attention made a ton of money. And I think that's the other part of this that, that probably goes a lot with something that ties into both of our points here. You also have to pay attention. You also need, when you get good advice, to take it and run with it. You got to make it actionable. There's a lot of guys that took in a lot of great advice off this platform in the last two years and are, are gangbusters. We got to thank you text today. I, ha I just had a, a, a guy who we, you and I have been talking about it behind the scenes, just had a record January in his business. Look, I'm never going to take credit for that. It isn't our work. It's theirs. We just provided the common sense jump off. And guess what they did? They paid attention and they made it actionable to their business. That's the next part of that advice thing is that if it's a good piece of advice for you, you got to still go take action. You can't just sit there and say, hey, listen to this really great podcast, right? Like how many people do you know in your life that, that are wanting to get healthy? They listen to all reputable people and they're still not healthy. Well, they didn't go do the work. <laughs> and so that's the other part of this is as you get good advice, which again, you got to sift through a lot of bad advice. You know, those online forums, I just had a conversation with a guy who told me, that a guy who was sanding a hood with 220 grit and said that he was getting the oxidation off. <laughs> and he goes, no, my man, you're down to the primer. That's the reason it's not coming back. But he said there was 50 comments in this thing saying, Oh no, no, no. You got to go more. You got to go more. You got to go more. And it's like, there was only one guy out of 50 comments that said, Hey man, there's no paint. So you do have to, 
kind of look at things through a lens of there's some bad information out there, but you also got to know when to take action. And when you get a good piece of advice, it doesn't matter if it's me or anyone else. When I get a good piece of advice, if I don't take action, it really doesn't matter. And, and I think that's the other part of it. Don't be paralysis by analysis. Take a piece of advice, run with it, and, and you'll be good to go. And what happens then as, as you progress in business is you begin to start seeing things, whether it's in your local area, whether it's in your customer's you know, mindset, whether it's your customer's cars, whether it's your own business, and you start thinking through things. You really begin to start dissecting so many things in your mind, at least I do. And one of the things that we began to dissect, and you, you really specifically took the bull by the horns in a sense on this, was the basics of what is needed in a wheel cleaner, right? The, the problems that we've had over the generations and wheel cleaning, A, you never want a wheel clean, right? I mean, the first job that you give the, the rookie that comes in to work for your business, it's you're cleaning rims, right? Like that's just, yeah, it always starts at somebody, whatever you, the new person always cleans rim because it's never a fun thing to do. It's, it usually takes a lot of work. Half the time you could damage it back in the day if your ass was, wasn't done right. Um, you, 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 it could just, wheel cleaning was just always a bitch in a sense. Yeah, you, yeah. And it's still, and it's, and it's still, uh, something that if you don't do it right, can take away from your detail, right? Whether you're talking about a basic detail or you're talking about you, you've done a really high-end paint correction. I mean, if the wheel looks bad because you didn't detail it right or you left high spots of coating all over it, it takes away from everything. doesn't matter how great your film installation was. I mean, you just look at that rim and you go, oh my God, this this looks like shit. And the rim is one of the worst things to clean and one of the most important to pull in your car together. Right. I mean, it, it, it just is, it's, it's a crazy thing. All right. So quickly basics on wheel cleaning. What should we know about the process of wheel cleaning basics? I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the basics as I see it, which is why we spent so much time developing the product. If you don't have a great wheel cleaner, cleaning wheels sucks. And I've, started in the acid world. We've used acid for a lot of years in my business. Painted rims, you know, especially black painted rims kind of took acid out of the game, in my opinion, because wheels became real freaking sensitive. And I'm not scared of acid at all. But I mean, Marty, you and I know that OEM finishes on rims have become so finicky that it did almost take acid out of play. And it's not just acid, right? As I, over the past years, were testing high pH wheel cleaners. Yeah. You could fuck up some shit on some high pH wheel cleaners. Yeah, and, and wheel cleaners that are on the market that say that they're pH neutral that aren't uh, and, and are much higher on the pH scale. So we had to be careful uh, when we developed Fuego. And, and, and Fuego, to me, is the culmination of Building a wheel cleaner that not only has more than one use, because we have the technology to develop it for paint decontamination as well, but I also wanted something that clinged to the wheel, that foamed up just out of a normal sprayer in a way that it, it grabs onto the rim face, onto the barrel. It doesn't just wash away as it, you know, as you spray it, the faster you spray it, the more it runs away and it doesn't have any dwell time. 
And, and I think that's where I start with wheel cleaning that if you don't have a great chemical and I see a lot of chemicals that I've tested and that are very popular on the market that I go, this is soap. You're not using anything other than soap. And I mean, I could name the names and it, and I just go, why wouldn't you just use soap? Because you have to strike a balance between pH neutral and also having some chemistry like the iron removing capability in a wheel cleaner to actually get it to start breaking down brake dust, right? Soap isn't going to break down brake dust without heavy, heavy agitation. Then what happens on a soft painted rim is you start to get the swirling on those black painted rims and people are like, well, I use this professional wheel brush and I use, it's like, yeah, dude, but you're using a wheel cleaner that you're having to agitate the hell out of the rim to get it clean that agitation is causing damage more than it's helping the wheel get clean in a lot of cases. So I look at it and go, I got to start with the basics of get a comprehensive wheel cleaner. And look, man, they're not cheap. If your wheel cleaner is cheap, that means it's not a wheel cleaner. Because really active ingredients in a heavy-duty wheel cleaner are expensive just for the, the ingredients part of it. That's just a fact. Nobody's getting a deal on the ingredients. The ingredients are cost what they cost. When I see a 20 or $30 wheel cleaner, folks, you got to run the other way. Yeah, it, it wasn't the thickener that we brought in that that really made the, the price go up, right? It, it is all the other stuff that goes into the wheel cleaner. But having a thick wheel cleaner that clings to it, it I, I've been amazed, right? As we began to really tone it, you know, hone it in, in a sense. And as it got thicker, we were like, hey, this is really what we want. And it sits there and clings on the rim. Wow. Well, I mean, I, I mean, you can you can also share with guys, Marty. You weren't really sold on this idea. Yeah. Which is which is what makes it, it it made it work because I knew we had to get to a point where you go, okay, yeah, this is good. When when you have somebody that starts, and it's important in a company, and I know this doesn't happen in a lot of companies, but the way we look at it is, when somebody says, "Hey, this isn't the greatest idea." It makes the other person say, well, then I got to get this to the point where that person goes, okay, yeah, this really works well. And when you used Fuego, I believe it was on a video last week, you go, yeah, dude, this was almost touchless. It's not a touchless wheel cleaner. We, we would never say that, but it's damn as, it's about as close as you're going to get. And, and that's on a pretty beat up rim. So on a well-maintained vehicle, there's going to be a lot of weeks where it's going to be damn near touchless. And I think that's the basics I get to in wheel cleaning is painted wheels changed everything. But then I watch guys buy wheel cleaners that are 20 bucks a gallon. And they go, well, then I just agitate it. And I go, well, that brush is scratching those black rims. You realize that. So the more debris that gets left on there, the more I'm agitating that debris, the more debris is going into that black painted rim and all of a sudden it looks swirled and they're going, I wonder what's going on. I don't know. You started with a $20 a gallon wheel cleaner. That's kind of where the basics need to start is an effective wheel cleaner isn't 20 bucks a gallon. It, it just it, isn't. 
there was a guy that made a comment when I put Fuego out on my own personal page. There was a guy that made a comment, bitching and moaning. First of all, he goes, was this a, a sponsored ad? And I responded, well, I'm the owner of the company. So yes, I sponsored it. You know, and then he goes into, God damn, it's expensive. I buy, you know, duh, duh, duh. right? Like, sure, I get it. You can buy cheap shit. You can. But yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. Now, the benefit of Fuego isn't just the wheel cleaning. It's not, right? Like, I get it. If it was, there was a, you know, the price for just wheel cleaning, I could see it, you know, but you get into the specialized of the product, what it does on the wheel how it cleans, how it doesn't have a horrific smell, how, boy, it just cleans really, really well. And then yeah. you go to, oh, wait, I can spray it on the paint also? Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, and again, this was the important part. We knew, once we got into developing this product, what we knew at the core of it was this was not going to be a cheap product. Once we saw the raw ingredients and we saw the price of everything, it was like, this isn't going to be a cheap product. And, and, and quite frankly, HyperClean, you know, go back to Slick. We're not interested in building the cheapest product. We're interested in building the product that works. We proved that with Slick. Uh, we now proved it with Fuego. We took that horrific rotten egg smell and basically made it non-existent compared to most people's out there. We did a lot of things that, again, make it useful. And if you're doing paint correction or you're doing any kind of decontamination on paint, the way this clings to the surface and it doesn't just run off the paint, I can guarantee you if I do a side-by-side -side of a cheap iron decon product and it starts running off the paint and we go back and we spray that area with ours, you're going to see it break down even more iron. So what are you really gaining by using a cheaper iron remover? You're not gaining anything. You're having to use two or three times as many, much product, or you're not actually getting iron removing capabilities because the product's not sticking around long enough to actually remove the iron particles out of the paint. We solved a couple problems here. I'm proud of the product. Orders went really well, but... If you're looking at price for wheel cleaners, then what you're saying is you'd rather put a bunch of elbow grease in, scratch up some painted rims, and, you know, that's not Fuego. Fuego is about comprehensive product, and, and I, I love it. I was just using it. We just had a Bentley come in the shop today. I was using it, decon the paint, did the wheels, and the wheels came in pretty damn clean because we, take, we, 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 we had some pre-clean for them but still got that iron remover on there. And boy, oh boy, it's, it's a great pro. I love that product. But it is. I, I also, the more I use it, I just, I still really start to enjoy it too. And I, I haven't cool really product. used it as an iron decon yet uh, with the cars coming in this week. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I can play around with it and use it on that iron decon side. Now a question that did get raised because there are people that are, are, are putting out iron decons that you clay with. Right, so let's go over that real quick. We only got a couple minutes. Deconning paint with an iron decon as well as a clay mitt at the same time. Is that a basic thing that we should be doing or, or should I be doing those separately? I personally have seen it both ways, as you have. I would say I want to get the iron off. I want to get, I want to get everything 
off the surface as I as I want to get the car as clean as I can get it before I clay. For me personally, I want the clay to kind of be my last line of defense that I use uh, to clean the car up before I go into a polish. Uh, that's the way that I think about it. I don't also want to just accidentally pick up an iron particle that's maybe being dislodged, uh, you know, or removed by the, the chemical somehow get into my clay. I don't see it because I got all this stuff on the surface and it's in my, you know, clay mitt or it's in my, my piece of clay and I'm scratching the hell out of the car and I didn't really do anything wrong. I just kind of caught a piece of iron being dislodged and it got caught in my, my clay. And for me, I look at them as different steps because I look at chemical decontamination, which is what the iron remover is as a different step than mechanically decontaminating the paint, which is a mitt or a clay bar. Uh, so to me, I'm not adding much time to my process to rinse the car really quickly. Uh, plus, I don't like to have the iron remover just sitting on the surface uh, forever. I, I, I want to get it off there. You know, iron removing stuff can, can stain paint. Uh, it can stain trim if it dries on accident. Not saying it will, but it can do those things. And I don't get in the habit of leaving chemicals drying on the surface. And when you start to, to uh, clay a surface, you and I both know, sometimes you'll just get lost and forget and you're just claying and claying and claying and you forgot you have that chemical on there. Maybe it dries. To me, I look at it as two separate steps. Uh, I don't think there's a wrong answer, but I think the safest answer is to rinse that off, then go in with your clay. All right, cool. Well, a great episode on getting back to the basics, diving into the basics of washing the car, and then really into the basics of proper wheel cleaning absolutely fuego has already started to explode many many people are sending in rave reviews excited about where fuego goes in 2022 nick you did a great job with that one as we kept trying to dial it in dial it in and dial it in and finally got it the way you wanted it so man great job it, it's a killer wheel cleaner and decon hope you guys like it man and uh keep buying it and keep giving us feedback you know we can always get better or if you just want to tell us how great it is you know we appreciate that as well yeah definitely <laughs> all right guys uh, have a great week nick talk to you soon hi bro hey this is marshall if you got anything out of the episode listen please leave us a review go share it out onto any groups that you're a part of hey grab yourself some fuego trust me you're gonna love it